This week's episode of Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is brought to you by Mommy Steps Maternity Insoles, who are offering our listeners a special 20% discount off their truly fabulous insoles when you go to maternityinsoles.com and use coupon code COMMONSENSE at checkout. Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, where we have smart conversations about all that and then some. Yes, we did change the name. Thank you very much for noticing, and here's why. We're a little bit different here on Common Sense, and we wanted to stand out because in addition to health talk, pregnancy talk, parenting talk, and all that, we also talk a lot about how culture, feminism, race, and yes, politics impact our lives as mothers and parents. Sometimes we talk about things that have a lot of different angles and perspectives and a lot of points for agreement and disagreement. But here's what I believe. Even when we don't entirely agree with someone else's perspective, we can still talk, we can still listen, we can still try to understand each other and not go straight to rejecting or invalidating or degrading or shaming or shunning. We can be graceful and respectful and insightful and accepting that we think our way, they think their way, and between the all of us, we make up a pretty complete picture of who we are as people living on earth at this time. We're recording this episode during some deeply polarizing times. It's the week after the March for Our Lives when record-breaking crowds gathered in the streets all over the United States to demand gun reform. And, you know, there was a smaller but no less vocal crowd of gun rights advocates who protested that any kind of infringement on their privilege and rights to own guns, um, you know, not okay. It's been loud and it's been ugly. And, you know, frankly, I think it's been amazing. I think that it's going to take a lot of noise and passion to break through this hurdle. But you know, it's being driven by teenagers, and that's what teenagers do, their noise and passion. And this is America. We've been through worse. We'll go through better, and we'll bend this country toward progress. This is what it's going to take. Let's see. It's also the week that, you know, little, a little bit of uh, current events here, that Roseanne, the TV show, relaunched. And what's it been? Like, 20-some years since its first run as one of America's most popular TV families. I tuned in to see what's changed about the show and the cast and, you know, where they're going to go with this show. But before I watched, I was reading on Twitter that a lot of people were calling for the show to be boycotted because Roseanne, you know, the, the actress and Roseanne, the character, are both Trump supporters. Therefore, certain people are demanding that we not only not watch her show, but we not support her advertisers. And I don't know, shun and shame all the people who do watch. You know what? I'm not going to do that. I think that, you know, there are instances where there are definite black and whites, definite right and wrongs. Um, but most of the time, most people are kind of a mixture of everything and there's a whole lot of gray area. I know a lot of people who don't share my political views. And guess what? We can still be friends and respect each other. Um, I know a lot of people who are members of you know other political parties than mine and 
they're compassionate and thoughtful and dedicated to living their best lives and doing their part to make the world a better place. They're loving their kids and raising their families the best they can. And yeah, we sure as heck don't agree on everything, but I'm fine with that. It's okay with me if people have different opinions than I do. I don't need one or expect anyone to think the same way I do, nor do I need to avoid people who have different ideas than I do. As parents, that's, you know, what we're supposed to be teaching our children, tolerance, respect, and a willingness to hear the other side of the story, right? There's room for all of us folks, but lately it seems like too often we're taking on this kind of all or nothing, my way or the highway kind of mentality. I don't think that works culturally. I know it doesn't work in parenting and family life. Polarization is a really big thing in the parenting world, or at least that's what we're told. I am, I don't actually believe in the mommy wars, and I'm not entirely sure how staunchly dug in most parents really are these days about, you know, the big ticket issues like breast versus bottle, natural versus epidural, cloth versus diaper, stay at home, go to work, you know, all the things. That's why I like to host guests with a range of opinions so that listeners can say, nope, not for me, or yeah, that sounds like me, but maybe we'll learn something, you know, about the other point of view. And maybe we can do it without a lot of animosity for people who don't share our viewpoints and perspectives. So um, I'm bringing that up because, well, it's certainly not the main thing we're going to talk about in this week's episode. Mostly we're going to touch, we're, we're going to touch on a topic today that's ripe for polarization. Mostly this week, we're going to talk about music and motherhood and feminism and Nashville. Uh, it's going to be a fun conversation, but this week's guest also brings up a personal choice that she and her, her family have made to delay vaccinations for her baby. And she acknowledges that her choice is not a popular one, but we talk a little bit about why she made that choice. And she has deep concerns. Um, that have not been sufficiently answered for her by the medical and scientific communities. And, you know, we talk about, I made a different choice for my children. You know, I work in, you know, the medical world and I, I have a lot of respect for the good that vaccinations have done us globally and from a public, public health perspective. But I also understand how hard it is to overcome these concerns. Um, you know, I've heard so many people express frustration and real fear about the link between vaccines and autism, for instance. And even though that link has been widely um, disputed and proven to be uh, untrue by respected medical studies, science hasn't yet provided the other piece of that puzzle, which is the answer for why some kids develop autism. And that creates a very scary void and makes a lot of parents very reluctant to give their children the growing number of vaccinations at the traditional schedule that most pediatricians and public health officials recommend. Um, you know, people, parents talk about feeling bombarded and how they want other options. You know, some parents are talking about they want to stagger vaccinations or they want to um, have them broken up into single single disease doses. They don't want to do the whole kit and caboodle of vaccinations that are recommended. They feel like it's too much and they're looking for different answers. But what they get too often is polarization and patronization and condescension and a lot of shaming. 
And I frankly am just not into that. Instead, I'd like this podcast to be a space for people to express their viewpoints, even the ones that we don't necessarily share. Because even when we don't make the same choices or see things the same way, there are always, always, always areas where we connect, where we do agree, and where we share common concerns. Now, as for the whole pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine thing, I am going to have another guest on at the end of April who stands firmly in the pro-vaccine camp. And we'll talk about that too. We'll talk about why they're important from you know, both a personal and a global health perspective. But today, we're going to hear just a little from the other side of that story. Again, it's not mostly what we're talking about today. And I, for one, will listen with total respect. Long-held beliefs are being challenged and new constructs are being built for how we're all going to move forward as a society. I think it's an exciting time, even if we are feeling a bit polarized lately. And that's what I want to talk about. Now, before we get to this week's guest, I want to remind everyone that um, most of your pregnancy and prenatal care questions are probably answered in my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, which is available everywhere books are sold. So go pick up a copy, give it as a gift to anyone you know who is pregnant. Um, if you want me to autograph it and um, you know sign it for your friend or your sister or somebody, just go on over to my website, genefaulkner.com. Buy a copy of the book there, leave me a note, and I'll send it right out the door. Also, I want to give a great big shout out to our sponsor, Mommy Steps Insoles. I haven't worn a pair of shoes without them since I got my first pair of insoles from them a few weeks back. Seriously, my feet don't hurt when I'm wearing these things. And folks, my feet have been sore ever since I had my first baby. And that girl's a grown-up woman now. Now, in last week's episode, I talked with the guys behind these fabulous Mommy Steps insoles about... What the heck happens to our feet during pregnancy? So give, give go give that episode, episode number 114, a listen, and then do yourself a favor and save your feet, knees, and back a lifetime of aches and pains by getting a pair of these custom moldable, super thin, and totally comfortable insoles. Plus, Common Sense listeners get a 20% discount when they go to maternityinsoles.com and use coupon code COMMONSENSE at checkout. Go check them out. Whew. Now... I'm done ranting for a while, so let's get to this week's guest. Now, we've talked before about how pregnancy, the postpartum period, and new parenthood are moments of pure creation, and a lot of women find that in addition to making a baby, they have enough leftover creative energy to whip up something fabulous like a new business, a new career, or you know, a new artistic creation, especially when mama's got to make a living. So that's what this week's guest is all about. Cherish Lee is an all-American singer, songwriter, and storyteller, and she recorded her brand new album, Tequila Cowgirl, with her baby on her lap. Cherish is the daughter of country music legend Johnny Lee, um, Urban Cowboys Looking for Love, and Hollywood vixen Charlene Tilton, who was Lucy Ewing on the hit television series Dallas. After a few years on the road performing with her dad, Cherish moved to Nashville, where she's been super busy writing music, performing, getting married, having a baby, and recording her album, Tequila Cowgirl. Let's get Cherish on the line. So today I am talking with Cherish Lee. And Cherish, I read your bio just a little bit before we got you on the line. So my first question is this. Who are you and what do you do? 
Uh, oh, see, and here goes the dog. That's okay. <laughs> My, <laughs> cowgirl June Christopher. Hi. <laughs> I'm well. Good. I'm glad you got to to read it. This is probably going to be one of your more colorful interviews. She sees our our neighbor packing up to go on a camping trip, and so she's very talkative. And um, yeah. So my name first, is and, first and foremost, yeah. you're a dog mom. <laughs> I, well, first and foremost, I'm I'm Wyatt's mom and Chase's wife and then dog mom. But it's all combined because you can never – it just – it all keeps me so busy. So yeah. Yeah. we have a very colorful home. Um, no, my uh, my name is Cherish Lee. So first of all, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I'm a, a, a singer and songwriter and performer. And um, I just released my album, Tequila Cowgirl. So I'm excited it's... about that because I just listened to it. Actually, I listened to it a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, yeah. And then I listened to parts of it again this morning. And it's real early where I am. So that was a great way to wake up. Oh, good. I'm so glad you – I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah, it's – um, it, the whole album itself and the making of it was uh, so different than what I guess is normally out there Um I was stuck in contractual agreements for a long time. And the last one was just, oh, it was so hairy. But I was nine months pregnant and I got the free and clear. Uh, and like as soon as I got that call, I was like, if I don't go into labor right now, I'd be totally shocked. And I did. I went into labor like 24 hours later. So, so you got, um, wait a minute, wait a minute, backtrack here. This is a good story. Um, <laughs> so you were nine months pregnant when you got the call that you got to make your album? Well, that I was no longer, like, that I was no longer going to be tied to these contractual things anymore, that I was free from them and that I was safe and protected as a human being. Mm -hmm. And um, because there's something that, you know, when, when you're pregnant, it's a whole different thing than actually, like, having your child here. Right. You know, um, because I, I don't know, like, first of all, side note, being pregnant, I think that was the most worrisome nine months of my entire life. Well, actually, uh, I'm going to say it like eight months because there were about two months where I didn't know I was pregnant. Uh huh. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so once that happened, you know, you're just, oh my gosh, am I doing everything right? And, but as soon as that baby's here, it's like, I mean, a universal change happens and like nothing can touch you. (laughs) You're the most powerful being in the whole entire world. So I, um, yeah, I, I basically got the free and clear, um, that I was just a free bird. And, um, I had 1500 bucks to make this album, uh, respectfully, you know, to my, my family and being a new parent. And, um, I basically recorded this album, in the basement of my producer's house, he had never produced anything. Uh, he was a hell of a drummer, mm-hmm. and but he had the time to put into you know producing, where I didn't. I was a new mom, and so I was like, I can't like be there hours upon hours. And Wyatt was in the studio with me, um, I think like ninety percent of the time, and on my hip, like while I would be singing or watching the musicians and. Um, he just so he's been around it from day one, but it's a really wild. It it, it was fifteen hundred bucks, and now, you know, 
uh, I had people in Nashville that were like, Hey girl, love you, but there's no possible way you can record an album in Nashville for $1,500. And I said, well, you don't know Cherishly and where there's a will, there's a way and you can accomplish what you can see. And so now Billboard uh, magazine has put me on their uh, top country artist to watch for in 2018, which was like, that's huge. Uh, I mean, mind blowing. Yeah. I was in the car and just was like, oh my God, <laughs> just started crying when I got that call. Cause I was like, that's amazing. You know, all this hard work goes into it. And, you know, I ended up recording the album because I didn't want something stolen from me that wasn't rightfully theirs to take to begin with. So that's why I made sure that I followed through. I didn't care like really where it went. Mm -hmm. I just had to get it made. Yeah. So you live in Nashville now, right? I am. I'm in Nashville. I love that town. I've only been there once, but I was just enchanted. I was there for a business thing and it was enchanting. I loved it. Loved the people it. are so friendly and we, we have a running joke that you know, cause it's some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And we've only heard two people honk in both times. It's been me. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so where were you before that? Um, I grew up in Los Angeles. I was born and raised there. Me Los too. Angeles, California. Me too. Okay. So where are you now? I'm in Portland, Oregon now. And I moved to Portland about gosh, 25 years ago. Right after the Rodney King riots, like a year later. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And before that, we lived in um, like the Silver Lake, Los Feliz, Hollywood area. It's a great area. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I remember the Rodney King riots vividly. I was oh, yeah. actually right on Laurel Canyon and Sunset in the Screen Actors, Build, uh, Screen Actors Guild building seeing um, a premiere of something. I don't even remember what it was, but... Mm -hmm. And then all hell broke loose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I I have some of the most incredible people that are still there, my my friends. Um, but I don't. I never felt truly connected to it. Yeah. So when I had the opportunity to move, I moved to Texas, to a, a tiny town called Sulphur Springs, and uh, got to live on a ranch there with my papa bear, and got to learn how to work the ranch and help deliver baby cows and. Mm -hmm you know, go get eggs from the chicken coop. And I mean, it was really, truly an incredible life. But I kept going back and forth between Texas and Nashville uh, for music. And then it was just my dad, you know, let go of the ranch, which was heartbreaking. And I was going through, you know, some stuff in my life. And so it was just a lot happening at once. But it was the best decision I've made. I met my husband here. Um, we got married Christmas Eve, got pregnant like a month later, not even New Year's Eve. <laughs> uh, well, it was, yeah, some point in January and it was my first winter in Nashville. And I was like, uh, this is how people get pregnant. Cause right. we sewed in. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so do you have, did you have your baby in September then? Uh, October. October. Yeah. Cause we, we conceived him, uh, end of January. Yeah. We, I have a. I don't know, probably a TMI story for my listeners. But when my husband and I decided that we wanted to have our third child, um, we decided we'd get started, you know, right around the first of the year. And yeah. I, I suspect it may have been about 20 minutes after midnight. <laughs> so we had our son in September. 
That is so funny. You know, my mom, she she was like, not to be gross or to gross you out, but I really, I knew the second you were conceived, and I'm like, oh, God, Mom. Yeah, right. And I'm, I'm really in touch with my body anyways, but so I always thought like, oh, I, I would just know. Yeah. And I had no idea. The only thing that was different was um, I margar- the strawberry margaritas tasted different. I didn't like them. You didn't like them. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I was working out really hard and doing like this really intense yoga and, you know, in hundred degree room. And so I figured, oh, okay, well, obviously that's why, you know, I'm putting sure. my body through some yoga. strenuous stuff and that's why we're not doing, you know, getting the whole period and whatever. I just didn't put two and two together. I don't know what I was thinking, but anyways, so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a little denial, but we're good with that. <laughs> You you realize it when you're darn good and ready. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> well, I have interviewed musicians many times. And the thing that I'm always curious about is the actual how you do it. That how What's your actual work like? Like, are you sitting on a couch? Or are you always in a studio? Or do you write, you know, with a guitar in your lap? Are you in sweats and a hoodie? Or do you dress up and go somewhere? I mean, how how is the actual work done? Oh, gosh. It's so, you know, I'm sure it's different for everybody. For me, as of right now, I am in sweats. My coffee just finished brewing, and I am sitting at my dining room table while my son eats his uh, morning banana and is watching Coco. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, yeah. I, how, I, old you know, I, how old is your son? How old is your son? He is 17 months. Oh, God. I love that age. And I just, I mean, the coolest kid. Like, uh, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. And, um. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm a pretty casual person. I, you know, totally fine with sweats and all of that, but I, I love to get dressed up and go out and, you know, and I think that's part of just the industry and the business itself and, uh, going out and looking your best, you know, I, I, I've learned that when you're up on stage and, you know, people take photos of you, those photos are just going to be there and you can't control who posts them and all that with, with the way social media is. So, you know, I like to put my, my best foot forward just for myself. That's how I feel comfortable. But, you know, as far as writing goes and Mm -hmm. working from home, super casual jeans and a good old white t-shirt and some boots, super happy. And do you have your own writing space? Do you have your Mm -mm. own creating space? No. Uh, no, I don't. Um, now, especially, (laughs) you know, my husband builds custom furniture. I've got the dogs, I've got the baby. So it's a free for all here. Yeah. And, um, your private space is your car and alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I know. I spent years, Um, I spent years and years writing, you know, on the couch with a pile of kids around me and, you know, cooking dinner with one hand and a laptop with the other. But, um, now I'm in that luxury spot where I have my own studio, I have my own study. It's, you know, I've got my own space. Now, that said, um, you know, part of it is my husband's closet, but you know, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Hey. Hey. I think uh, you know what? That sounds good to me. <laughs> I know, right? I worked long and hard for this. I remember somebody interviewed me about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, she was doing an article about sacred spaces, sacred places, and she wanted to interview me. And for God's sake, I could not figure out why. You know, I'm the lady with all the kids. But um, 
she was asking me, you know, where is the one place in your life that is truly yours, all yours? And I'm thinking, my bedroom? No, because the kids are in there and I share that with my husband and the dogs. No. Okay, my side of the bed? Uh, no, no, because, no. you know, the kids are there. <laughs> and so finally, I realized that I didn't have that spot. Anywhere. Oh, no. Nowhere. No, you don't. No, no. Um, I um, And, you know, that's not even something that I've really even like wrapped my mind around and like having the desire to do so I'm just now gaining my sleep back. Um, I stopped breastfeeding when, um, my son was just about 15 months Mm -hmm. and it was a weird, that was a really hard decision for me because, well, first of all, the bonding and the health and, um, I, you know, this is a super taboo topic, but I chose not to vaccinate my son. Mm-hmm. Um, he was too little and perfect and healthy, and um, and it's scary. T- I, it, yeah, and the way that they've clumped everything together, I think you know your kids are grown, so or older. Yeah, and, but uh, I was a labor and delivery nurse for twenty years, and during that time, the number of vaccinations we were expected to give newborn babies really increased. And then, oh, it's insane. yeah. I don't even know how many vaccinations babies get now, but I understand that. I understand why parents are nervous. It's yeah. I mean, I spent, um, I think, like two days in my sweats. Like, I don't even think I brushed my hair. Just reading and digging, and um, there was one uh, vaccine that was taken off the market, but it's public knowledge, and it's on the FDA government website where one of the known side effects was in fact autism Hmm. and it was a really interesting find and granted they don't have that one on the market anymore Mm -hmm. um but it's enough to scare the Jesus out of you isn't it yeah I mean even if it's a seizure what you know we have we have family members that were affected by them uh poorly like really terribly like uh one of our cousins, she she's a charge nurse, incredible human being. Um, she had a bad reaction and l- lost all of her hair as a young child and mm-hmm. still deals with that. Um, so but, do, you, do you have a plan for what you're going to do about that? Maybe I'm going to look back into it like maybe when he's about three and mm-hmm. see where everything is. I just I wish that they would. I, I wish that they would have kept them on the market as a singular vaccination mm-hmm. as opposed to like clumping three and four together. And, you know, within the first 10 minutes of my son being born, they wanted to give him a hepatitis B vaccination. Right. I was like, get right. away from my kid. Yeah. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's a big, I that is a big, um, you know, it's not, I don't, I guess it is a taboo subject and probably listeners are going to get up in arms about that. But I really do. I really do understand the fear. And, you know, even though the vast majority of this science is saying now that vaccinations are clearly safe, they haven't come up with the answer to the question of how do we keep our kids from developing autism? And until they do, there's always going to be that correlation in many parents' minds. And, you know, it's frightening. It's frightening. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and it's funny because so many people are like, it's been debunked and it actually hasn't. 
So it's just one of those things where, you know, go ahead and do the research and dig because your baby is just, you're susceptible to so many different things. And I, you know, with the vaccines and without them. So it really is like a, it's just an, a tough call as a parent and, and not so much that I'm fearful, just being really mindful. And I want him to, you know, if if we're going to do them, we're going to pick and choose which to do. And, uh, and when he's, you know, older and a little sturdier. So I don't know We're we're, I'm still, I'm still researching. Yeah. 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 There Um, are a lot of ways to go about that nowadays. And, yeah, you know, I know that, um, you know, many of the vaccination experts would like me to say everybody should do it by protocol. But I think that at this point in time, well, I, I do believe that children should be vaccinated. I think, you know, because they're going to go out in the world and they're going to yeah. be exposed to stuff and they're going to expose people to stuff. And I've seen kids with whooping cough and babies. It's awful. Oh, but yeah. yeah, it's awful. But, you know, we have to develop some protocols so that it's a more comfortable and safe, it feels safer so that it just feels safer. Yeah. And as a parent, you just, you, you know, you want to have options and unfortunately the way it's all set up is you don't, you don't have options. But the, but the thing is, is that you do, you, you know, parents think that they don't and they're, and oftentimes you know, whether it's, you know, how their prenatal care goes or how their labor and delivery care goes or how their pediatric care goes. Um, a lot of people think that you have to do it the way that they tell you to, that you don't, you're not the authority and you don't have the power. But the yeah. truth is that ultimately- Well, you definitely do. Yeah. You're the but, one who but, says, yes, I'll sign the form. Yeah. Just, I, I, but I'm talking about as far as like- Feeling, you know, the feeling singular, manipulated the, and yeah, yeah, just that they've clumped so many together and some of the important ones that I, that I do feel are important. I just don't want A, B, C, and D to be all together at once, you right. know? So, oh, right. sorry, my computer, I don't know how to get that notification turned oh, on. don't worry about it. That's just fine. <laughs> That's just fine. Most but, of the people you know, that I interview are working moms and we bing and bong all day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, but you know, it's being a parent is it's one of the most incredible things. I think the two things that no one could have prepared me for was, uh, number one, the pangs of labor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it doesn't matter what you read, what class you take when that hits you for the first time, you're just like, Oh, okay. And I labored for 36 hours. Yeah. First Um, babies are like that. Uh, and I, I, Got him out in two pushes, so I was really happy that the doctor caught the baby because mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they didn't expect that. Um, and then the other thing is how much you love your child. And when I gave birth to him, I, I, I don't know how many seconds it was, but they, I gave birth to him. I saw him. They put him on my chest, and I think there was – a couple moments where I was just, I I almost couldn't comprehend what happened. I looked at him and I didn't understand. And then there really was like a universal shift. Mm -hmm. It was so immense and just all encompassing and overwhelming. And all of a sudden, like 
who I was made sense. Mm -hmm. And this love that is just like, it's indescribable, truly. Yeah, it is. So it is. It's amazing. And yet every single parent out there knows what you mean. People who aren't parents yet, you know, they get the idea, but they don't Mm -hmm. know it until they're there. And what's amazing is that that same powerful shift that you're experiencing, mothers all over the world are experiencing that. All of them. All of them. To, you know, to some degree or another, every parent feels that. And dads too. And, and, you know, sometimes for dads, it's even more profound because since they didn't have the baby inside them kicking and nudging and making them, you know, make, making them uncomfortable, it's not as real. You know, they they get it cognitively, yeah. but they don't have it in every cell of their being like mothers do. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they're playing along until that baby's in their arms for the first time. And then it's like, Holy cow, what just happened? Well, you know what was interesting for my husband, and I don't know if other women and their husbands had dealt with this, um, and it was very interesting because we didn't expect it, Um, but I don't know if – my husband didn't know how to feel like after – after we had Wyatt because, okay, so number one, the hospital didn't really – recognize him at all. I mean, like he wasn't allowed to carry the baby in the hallway. Like there was so much he wasn't allowed to do as a father. Um, There's a lot of rules rules, in the hospital. A lot of rules and regulations, which, you know, unfortunately I understand, but for him it was interesting. And then when we got home from the hospital, um, I mean, technically the baby doesn't, need the dad at first and all of a sudden his wife who has been there with him you know and given him all the love and blah 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 like now it's the mom and the baby and while you know you I'm still loving on my husband it's just it's different yeah for you know at least the first couple weeks and so he didn't it it took him it took him about two weeks to like I think like get there because he it was almost like he felt jealous or something at first like it it was an interesting thing because all of a sudden he was just he felt like he was on the outskirts and I don't know that um we had never heard that discussed before but it was something that we dealt with and after doing research and stuff it turned out that it was actually more prevalent than yeah. we thought. Yeah, it really is. Because so, they really are kind of on the outskirts. It really is all about mom and baby. And yet yeah. their life has also taken this profound change. You know, oh, yeah. life changing is a small word for what happens to parents. Um, And yeah, and yet nobody's looking at them. <laughs> Nobody wants to know how they're doing. Nobody's, well, it was, yeah, yeah it, it was an interesting thing because I, once I had that universal shift, I was like, wow, if I would have had this baby with, you know, I, I was married briefly before, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm only going to get married once. I'm never going to get a divorce. And you never say never. And right. it was, it was a hard and difficult time, but it was the right decision for both. However, if I would have been in a situation where I had a baby with the person who wasn't the right partner, Mm -hmm. 
I would, I would rather do it on my own. Yeah. Because they, yeah, it's just That's like a lifetime partnership. It's yeah. a lifetime partnership. And I mean, as a mom, you feel untouchable. Like, I mean, it's like mama tigers empowering. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. incredible, you know? Yeah, and I'd rather, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, and when, and when that did kick in with my husband and when he finally, we were able to talk about it. And I think he was nervous to discuss it with me mm -hmm. because he didn't understand what was happening. Mm -hmm. It was something he didn't prepare himself for. He was like, why am I not like, why, why do I feel like this? Right. Um, why is there like a tinge of like negativity or whatever that is? Like, yeah. Um, so, fatigue. but we were able to, plus there's the fatigue yeah. factor, which is, you oh my just, God. yeah, you just can't, uh, underestimate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I had a hot meal until recently, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause you're always feeding the baby first, making sure that he's or she's taken care of and, uh -huh. and Wyatt still sleeps with us. So that's another one that parents all over are probably going to be like, oh, yeah, my whatever. God. <laughs> you know what? I think you just whatever it takes to get through the night, baby, you know? <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not. Um, yeah, that I, I think that parents should just do what they need to do. You know? And it's different for each situation. Each yeah. baby is different. And the relationship between, you know. All of it. And, yeah. and side note, my husband and Wyatt are like two peas in a pod. They are the cutest thing together. And yeah, that was a, a brief thing. But we got through it because we were able to have really open communication with one another. That's so so that is huge when it comes to parenting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to ask you some more questions about your music life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I love talking to other women who are making their living in the creative industries. And, you know, many yeah. of us are told, you know, maybe not you because you come from a family that's made, you know, their mark in the creative world. But a lot of us, we grow up with this, you know, idea of, well, yeah, you could be a writer, but you're not going to make your living at it. Or, yeah, you can be a guitar player, but, you know, keep the day job. And I'm wondering if you always, if you saw yourself as a musician, if that was your future when you were growing up? Um, you know, it was a weird one for me because both of my parents are in the industry mm -hmm. and I have seen, you know, the rise and fall of it on both ends. Um, you know, I, my mom and dad split up like, I don't know, not long after I was born, they were married very briefly. But, um, so I watched my mom's career, uh, go up and down a lot. And, um, so for me, like while I had this talent and I loved writing music and I love performing, I, I think one side was like, okay, who in their right mind wants to do this and be a part of it? And, you know, someone asked me once, like, did I ever rebel from the business? And I was like, yeah, I started a dog walking company and dated assholes for a bit. <laughs> like, That'll do okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those where um, it, it is so me and um, it's what I'm really good at and what I'm really passionate about. And so I, when I decided to take that plunge, it was um, – 
again, something really cool and empowering happened because I think once you make the decision to do something, like I said at the beginning, mm-hmm. you can accomplish what you can see. Mm-hmm. So if you've got that vision, um, it's easier to move towards it and, and remember why you're going through some of what you're going through. And it's, you know, um, it is an interesting business, but I think isn't every thing that's, I mean, I don't know. My, my friend who is an actress out in Los Angeles, um, she, she'll be like, I didn't get that audition or I didn't get a call back. And oh. I'm like, you picked like the craziest business to be involved in. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much that is in your hands. Um, at least with music, I, you know, you can create anytime, anywhere, and yeah, it literally is in outside. your hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're a guitar player, so, right? Um, you know, I play a little bit by ear. I um, I really I love to get on stage and just perform and tell the story. So, and I am venturing into playing my own songs on guitar. Mm-hmm. I, I write all of them, um, and I co-write. But um, so, okay, now I have to get into the technical part of it again, because I've lived with musicians my entire life, but I haven't, um, I don't know about the process of songwriting very much. So how do you do songwriting if you're not playing an instrument? Mm, I will come up with like the, I'll come up with the melody line and the lyrics. Um, That's one way. It comes into your head. It's in your head. Okay. Okay. So I'm able, there are certain songs that I've done entirely by myself. And then I've been able to sit down with a guitar player and go that route. Or, um, there's other times where I'll just, I'll come up with the title, sit down with, uh, another musician and we'll be able to, cause I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm, uh, like when I think, um, and write, I write with picture in mind. So I'm able to describe some of those things and then we'll get to talking and come up with a story. And it's really cool to be able to co-write and, um, because you know, you're so, you're only so good on your own, but when you're able to sit down with somebody else and that's their strong suit, like the magic that happens is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I have written some songs on guitar. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I, I've lived with musicians my whole life, mostly guitar players, but also keyboard players. And my son is a guitar player and a singer and songwriter. And there's one thing I totally recognize about all of them. It's that I call it the guitar playing gaze, where the musician is they're in the room with you, but they're kind of somewhere else, too. Like, oh, yeah, they're in that music <laughs> land or somewhere. And you know that they're kind of they're divided. They get that oh, look yeah. when they're concentrating on their hands or the music or their song or the instrument. And everything else is just kind of background noise. Is that you? Yeah. Are you? Is that you? Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. There, there are times where and then, yes, I've got to either excuse myself to go, you know, write something and uh, or just say, hey, just one second and I'll pull out my voice memo on my phone and go ahead and record that. Yeah. My son already is um, he he just got his first pair of drumsticks. <laughs> and uh, are they the I, red plastic ones or did you get him real ones? 
<laughs> no, actually, I was I was on the road with my dad, and uh, there were three headliners performing that night, and in between uh, one of the sets, Wyatt ran out onto the stage and got on the drum kit and just started playing. <laughs> uh oh! Uh, you might be raising audience, a drummer. <laughs> Yeah, he well, and we noticed it because so he loves sushi where he doesn't eat the the raw fish yet. Uh He just, you know, he some of the cook stuff, but um, he takes his chopsticks. And that's really like probably why he loves sushi (laughs) is because, I mean, immediately has better rhythm than I've ever had and says, hola. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have a bilingual drummer. Yay, (laughs) yay. uh, Yeah. Yeah, he got to play in front of um. I don't know, a couple thousand people and not an ounce of fear in the child's eyes. Like no, that's his soaked life. it all in. Yeah. <laughs> loved it. I'm like, well, there's there's that. So And well, I, it's not anything I've ever like, you know, he he's been around music because of me, mm-hmm. but it's not something I've ever you know, I don't ever want to shove it down his throat. Like he's got so many other toys and things to that he can gravitate to, but this is, but if he's a musician, there's nothing you can do about it. He just is one. Yep. There's a real difference between people who can play music and people who are musicians. Yeah. Yeah. I can play music. (laughs) I'm not a musician. My son is. So you you play guitar. No, I grew up playing piano, doing piano lessons. And I, you know, became technically very skilled at it. You know, I can, Mm -hmm. I'll listen to, you know, like, Beethoven concertos that I played when I was 17 years old, I was really good. And I didn't like it. And I didn't ever feel like, I mean, I'm not one who could just write a song. I don't have it in me. I can write a book. I can write, you know, I can do, I can do that because I, I am a writer as opposed to someone who can write. But you know, you just, yeah, it's the way it is. So even though I was technically skilled, I wasn't, I didn't have the music in me. I could just reproduce it if I was reading the music. And, you know, what what happened in my little um, course of rebellion was that I took piano lessons um, all the way until my senior year of high school. And um, much of it was on my mom's insistence. Mm -hmm. But then there was this thing where I think my music instructor wanted me to go I forget what the deal was, but he wanted me to go to this thing that I was supposed to show up for as a, I don't know, like a piano recital or something, but it was the day of prom. It was my prom, my senior prom. Yeah. And there was this feeling like you're going to go to the piano thing. And there was my rebellion. Oh, hell no, I'm going to prom. And I (laughs) I never took piano lessons again after that. I probably haven't played the piano more than three hours in my life since then. That's so interesting. Yeah, I don't miss it. You know, it's funny because I, uh, piano was one of the electives uh, when I was in school. And so I, you know, I read the sheet music like once or twice through. And then I was like, oh, okay, I can hear it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't follow the sheet music. And then I'd just play. And my teacher, you know, as I was playing, would take away the sheet music and I'd still be playing. He's like, Cherish, you've got to learn the theory. And I'm like, Wah. Yeah. you know. Have you learned it? No, God, I was, I, and you know, it's one of those like cliches. Oh, I wish I had, you know, in high school, I was a, I was kind of a, a butt in as a student because I really excelled at like the subjects and the topics that interested 
me mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. But like, for example, I would ditch school and I would go to the bookshop and read about what I wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, maybe smoke some pot beforehand, whatever, and then go and look at some of like the artsy books or whatever, you know, and uh, uh, I, now that I have, you know, a, a really solid, incredible marriage, Wyatt, Wyatt will, it will be done differently with Wyatt. My poor mom, she was like, do you see this gray hair on my head? This is from you in high school. That one's yours. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you say that, um, your music, do you, is it country music? Do you call it that? Yeah, it it is. Uh, it's country. It, it, you know, it tells a story. Um, I think there is a nostalgic feel to it. Um, and a whole lot of family, a whole lot of family in there. I mean, in in tequila cowgirl, you mentioned her grandpa's hat right off the bat. And it was clear that Wyatt's song was about your son. I mean, you're, you're, you're singing about your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, sweet, sweet is, you know, about my husband and, um, all of the songs, uh, ones you leave behind, it's, uh, it's about my brother passing away. Mm. Um, and the whole album is really like the last several years of my life and kind of the window looking into that. They're all extremely personal to me. Um, even this ain't your grandma's country song. I wrote that because, you know, I grew up with my father who was, um, it, 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 he was the very first crossover country to pop. Like it, it was on the con- looking for love was on the country charts yeah. and it was also on the pop charts. Yeah. And, um, it was really kind of that mark of country music taking a turn and being introduced to other, other listeners. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, and you know, people, complain about where country music is now, but there's so many different facets and so many different branches as to where it goes. And, you know, while I very much respect, you know, where country music was, um, I also wanted to represent like the growth of it. So while my music and the album is definitely country, it has elements of like, you know, rock in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wyatt's song kind of has a Beatles feel mm-hmm. to it it's mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's um yeah I'm kind of late late in life to country music and I grew I grew yeah. up with rock and roll musicians and then I married a punk rocker and um I love he, it yeah and but my husband grew up with a little country music in the San Joaquin Valley in California and yeah. so part of his soundtrack would be you know like Lineman of the County and Desperado and stuff like that but we didn't listen to country at all and in Los Angeles, as you know, it isn't all that cool. I mean, it seems like L.A. has strong opinions about what you should and shouldn't listen to, and country isn't necessarily at the top. But so I, I think L.A. has strong opinions about everything. Everything. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm so glad I don't live there anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. But I really discovered it. Um, I didn't discover how much I loved country music until my daughters were in college. And, you know, I'm in Portland, and they were in – in college in Tacoma, Washington, which is a two hour drive up the five. And I'd go up there for the day and see them and then drive home late at night. And there wasn't any radio reception other than country. So I started listening and I loved it. I loved the, 
The music, of course, but also the lyrics and the stories. I could drive hundreds of miles listening to that. And so then... The stories are... Yeah. Yeah. I finally, um, you know, I was kind of sneaky about it because everybody in my family was so darn judgmental, you know, about (laughs) country music. Um, And I had all these teenagers who no one is more opinionated about what is the correct music to listen to than teenagers. So I would be sneaky. And then I finally got really empowered and demanded my own stations. You know, like you can't pre-program my country station. <laughs> I love it so yeah. much. Yeah. Now they know I'm out. I'm out about it. I like country music. Yeah. That's so funny. I love it. It's yeah. Well, it's good. You know, it's just one of those things that maybe, you know, you dip your toe in it first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now you're like, oh, okay. my son, who is the best musician in the family, really talented guy, you know, as a teenager, he was all metalhead and, you know, punk and very very strong opinions but now he's he's loves country music and he's planning on moving to austin to play it it's oh, great well austin is i mean talk about a, a badass scene to be a part of yeah, and yeah. I, I love my husband and i are like we love nashville love it love it so much miss my texas miss yeah. it my husband is from texas um there is just a whole different feel out there and, um, yeah, really, really impressive uh, musicians, and it's just cool. I don't know. Um, I, You know, and I grew up listening to all different types of music. Like, I, you know, when I was in junior high, I wore my little Sid Vicious chain and all that. And anything with, like, soul and feel to it and that took you somewhere and really evoked emotion in you, yeah. like, that, yeah. that's what I listen to. So I listen to everything. Yeah. Um, someone yeah. asked if I was ever stranded on a desert island or, you know, if I could only have one album there with me, what would it be? And it's, it, it would be Glenn Miller. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Moonlight Serenade. So that's like, it's so funny cause people don't expect that, but, um, I, I, I just, any, any music that with, like I said, soul to it, I'm, I'm all about it. Moonlight Serenade was just on, um, I was just listening to that on Spotify the other day when I was cleaning out a real nasty closet. (laughs) (laughs) It was a big mess. Go, girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's, you know, I've had you on the line for quite a while, but I still have stuff I want to talk to you about if you've got the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about my second favorite subject, which is feminism and about what feminism oh feminism awesome and I'm curious about um something I read in the one sheet that was sent over from your PR folks and I wonder it, it made me think about the role of feminism in the musical life so I think that it what it said was that um let me find it I was respectfully allowed to be the artist and most importantly, a mother. No one flinched at my son coming to the studio with me or having to run home early on days he stayed with his daddy. This album is all heart. Let's talk about that flinching and disallowing of mothers that happens in so many industries. I mean, great. I'm so glad that that happened for you. And it sounds like your producer just got it and is one of the one of the people that's going to help shepherd this forward. You know, this idea that, you know, it seems like for decades, in order to be a woman in the workplace, you had to disallow your motherhood. But now we're in this transitional 
point where, no, we're integrating our motherhood into it. We can't separate. So tell me about that, how that worked for you. Um, There was just not an option. I think if anybody ever told me to... (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't an option for me. I'd be like, well, this clearly is not going to be the right fit. And I would, uh, gracefully excuse myself. Um, yeah, because it, it's so much of who I am. Like I, I that's just, it's crazy to me that that, um, that this has been a thing for women. You know, I've never been, uh, you know, I've never had a desk job, so I, I don't know what that is, um, or women in that, you know, line of work that takes you to an office every day. Um, yeah, I, we, we used to get, you know, even when I was working as a labor and delivery nurse, Yeah. Um, you know, which is essentially all women, that's all yeah. that works in labor and delivery is all women, we'd still get shit if we called in for a sick kid. I mean, you, you'd call in, maybe your kid had, you know, stomach flu and you couldn't call in. I mean, you couldn't go to work that night, but you'd think about saying that it was you who had the stomach flu, not your kid. Yeah. Because, because I, yeah, yeah, because you're expected to come up with some magical solution. I don't think, you know, and I, I don't know, I, I, there, I guess people out there that don't understand, but it's, it's one of those things like my family comes first. First and foremost, like everything else other than that is just a total perk. Um, and I, but we're for at, someone who we're at this point ahead. where we have to, we're you know, we, yes, my children come first. My family comes first. My motherhood comes first. But for a lot of us, that's where the message stops. Well, yeah. then that's what you get. You get your family and your kids and your motherhood because that comes first and only. But it's not only. You know, yeah, we you all have bills and you have jobs and careers and and we all have work to do. We all have creative yeah. work to do and personal missions and goals and dreams. You know, we are complete human beings in addition to our children. You yeah, know? it's a big you know, you know what I think is happening right now is that I think we're in a revolution. Um, yeah. And. You know, some of it is really divisive right now, but there are women all over the place who are bringing their babies to the studio and saying, deal with it. Or, you know, women like, you know, Tammy Duckworth, who's going to be the first senator to have a baby in office, mm-hmm. you know, and what's she going to do? She's going to change some rules. She's going to breastfeed on the Senate floor, I hope, you know? Well, that's that's what's so crazy to me because that's, okay, so... Yeah, I have my son, and like I said, I, I stopped. We stopped breastfeeding when he was just about fifteen months, and there were times where he just, sorry, I'm eating, he's eating, we're out and about, he needs to eat, and uh, am I gonna just go ahead and whip out my? You know, I'm respectful to people around and to our private situation, and um, you know, so I would have a cover. I remember there was one time I didn't have a cover. It was just one of those. I I ended up staying. um, My husband builds custom furniture and they were doing this big thing at the um, Parthenon Park out here. And uh, and I didn't intend on staying as long and I didn't have a cover with me. So I just was like, well, if somebody's got something to say, they'll have to deal with. Right. 
uh, you know, they'll have to deal with it. So, and, and no one did. Um, it, it, that's crazy to me. I just, it, yeah. but I'm also an, a newer mom. So like, I can't fathom like people putting down that in a work environment or it, it I, I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. That's well, weird. It happens. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel it's, it's unacceptable truly like, cause that's, I, yeah, it's a weird thing for me. That's yeah. a weird concept yeah. as opposed to the other, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but my baby, yeah, he, he comes with me. I remember um, I did uh, the Midnight Jamboree, and I I felt like my theme song that night was do 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 because I brought the dog with me, I brought the baby with me, I brought my my mom with me and my husband, and the green room was filled with musicians and family, and we you know the beer was there for everybody, and it was just I'm like you know what rather ask for forgiveness and permission. So we just, we did it. Excellent. You're carving, you're carving a path for other musician mamas. Yeah. 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 I think it can be really challenging when you work in a creative field like music or writing or art or whatever, because not only do you have to be able to sort of tap into your, the source of your art, but you also have to have opportunities to fill the well back up. You know what I mean? You know, like, yeah. And I, and I haven't, I, uh, I haven't had that time for myself yet. I feel, I feel the urge coming on, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and I remember, you know, when my son, I don't remember how old he was, but I was in a writing session and I'm like, okay, we've officially hit the, that point where I'm like, I, I don't know that it's wise to incorporate the two because my son was very active during that writing session Mm -hmm. and I felt like I barely put into it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's not so much like, okay, not having your child there with you, um, where he was great in the studio. Um, you know, you need to make those decisions for yourself. Like for my next writing session, like I will probably have my husband or my mom, or my mother-in-law watch my son because I'm going to need that time for myself. You do. And I think it's, it's, you know, I've just now ventured into like, um, you know, going to the gym and putting him in the daycare. I asked what their screening process was for the people yeah. that work in the childcare, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm a super protective mom in that area. And, um, I don't think, any random stranger ever held my son until he decided he wanted to go to somebody. Uh-huh. I was like, Oh God. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yep. yeah but it, it. it's important for, for the, the moms and stuff to know when it's time for, yeah, for them to fill themselves back up and yeah. their time that they need for them. Yeah. It's yeah. so important. Well, I just have a couple of questions for you that I like to ask everybody as we're wrapping up. And one of them is this, how would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Um, you actually answered I don't it know. early no. on. You actually That's answered. what I was going to say. I, I think it's how, you know, as far as parenting goes, no one ever told me how much, um, nothing could ever tell you how much you're going to love your child. 
and how that changes you as a human being. Uh, no one else also ever told me how to do my taxes. <laughs> ah, that. I love a practical answer. <laughs> I feel like there's some stuff that they really should teach kids in school and not being one of them. There's some stuff that they really important stuff that they leave out. And I'm like, well, now that you're an adult, what? I don't understand. Why aren't they teaching kids this? Right. So anyways, they yeah, should teach a class one. called Life 101. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Okay. So my last question for you is this. Where are you in your life as a mom? Um, I think it changes all the time, but I, I'm very happy with where we're at. You know, I'm just able to find some more comfortability and, um, I've got a wedding that we're going to go to in October. And I was actually thinking about it, uh, as I was falling asleep last night, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to make arrangements because I'm now comfortable with Wyatt. Um, he can stay with Mimi or, uh, you know, aunt Heather or whatever, like what's going to be the best situation there. But I've got people that I'm comfortable, like, leaving him with. And I'm excited to take that time to be with my husband. Um, we're, that's where we're at. Um, but I love it all the same. And he's, I, I enjoy, oh my God, I enjoy every moment with my, with my baby. Hmm. He makes me belly laugh. I make him belly laugh. I love bringing him places and doing new things. Um, but I'm also just getting into that, like, Hey, hey, husband, like, let's go ahead and enjoy one another. Let's, mm -hmm. let's find that time for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're in the sweet You're spot. The spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Cherish, this has been a lot of fun talking to you about your, your life and your son and your music. And I'm going to listen to your album again this afternoon. Thank like you it. so much for yes. having me. Yeah, it's on yeah. Spotify. It's uh, Cherish Lee. The album is called Tequila Cowgirl. And, um, uh, the website is www.cherishleemusic.com. And um, for all of those women out there with those babies, I'd say you set the rules. You make it happen. <laughs> yep. Make your music, mamas. Make your music. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you again, and we'll talk again down the road. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today, folks. Our guest today was Cherish Lee, and you can learn more about her at cherishleemusic.com. And we want to give another big thanks to our sponsors, Mommy Steps Insoles. Go get yourself a pair at maternityinsoles.com and use coupon code COMMONSENSE at checkout for a special 20% discount just for our listeners. Thanks, Mommy Steps. I love my insoles, and I love having happy feet. Head on over to jeanfaulkner.com to find out more about me. Email me, jean at jeanfaulkner. Tweet me, at jeanfaulkner. And please, oh please, go leave me a nice review over on Apple Media, Stitcher, FM Player, or wherever you get your pods. Go pick up a copy of my book, too, Common Sense Pregnancy, which is available everywhere books are sold. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks, Alex. Common Sense Pregnancy Parenting Politics is also a member of the Parents on Demand Network, a curated collection of podcasts that cover all things pregnancy and parenting. 
One of those is Preggy Pals with POD founder Sunny Galt. Here's a short preview. Give a listen, then head on over to Parents on Demand. Bye, everybody. We'll talk again next week. Congrats, you're pregnant. Now, what do you do during the next nine months? You need Preggy Pals, an audio podcast that educates and entertains expectant mothers and those hoping to become pregnant. Each episode features pregnant moms-to-be as well as experts. Together, we explore topics aimed to embrace pregnancy and encourage women to pursue their choices when giving birth to their babies. Preggy Pals is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Look for our free network app in Apple and Android to discover more great parenting shows and listen to your favorite episodes on the go.